Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Tess Rafferty. And before we get to Tess, I'm going to give you a few announcements. Let's catch up, shall we? First and foremost, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there. You can see pictures of our guests. You can see links to their social media. You can see links to our social media, which is Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter, there's links to our Facebook page. There's links to Stitcher Radio. There's links to Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio. You can find us pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. And wherever you listen to us, I ask you that you please give us a good rating because that boosts our presence and helps more people find the show. So if you could do that, I would appreciate it. Think it'll be good for the show? You know somebody who might be? You want to ask me any travel questions? You want to say nice things? Well, then write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. So here we are. It's December 2020 is dragging along, crawling along. Somebody shoot it, put it out of its misery. Put us out of our misery, will you? How's everybody doing? You holding up okay? I haven't been out of the country or on a plane since January 25th when I returned home from Medellin, Colombia. And little did I know that that was going to be my last time on a plane for the foreseeable future. Little did I know when I got home that I was put my passport down and never pick it up. Oh, if I just had a crystal ball. And the only thing I have left on the books is a couple months ago, I saw some crazy airfare from LAX to Orlando on American Airlines. One way on December 15th, because that was the last day before the holiday rates kicked in. One way, nonstop, $58. That's right, $5.8. So I bought it because, well, $58. Why not? Maybe I can go see my family in Orlando, my mother, my sister, my brother-in-law, and my niece and nephew. And maybe I'll do a few other things while I'm down there. I'll worry about a return flight later. Well, as you know, this uh, virus has not gone away. It's actually gotten worse in a lot of parts of America. And I had to inform my family that it's not looking like I am going to see them this holiday season. Uh, my mom is 85 and lives alone. I would have to stay in her house. And uh, there's a lot of risk involved in the flying, in the airports. Oh, and also the flight got changed. It went from a nonstop to having to change in Charlotte, which just means more airports, more human contact. All to go all the way there and have my teenage niece and nephew tolerate me for about five minutes before they go back to playing video games and texting with their friends. Because <laughs> let's face it, they could not care less that I'm there. And that's okay. I get it. They're teenagers. When I was their age, I couldn't care less about hanging out with adults or old people. But still, this is looking like it's going to be a FaceTime or Zoom Christmas and holiday season. I was lucky enough with the cruises over the last four years that I could work over the holidays, usually picking up the ships in Miami or Fort Lauderdale, and I could fly in a few days early or stay a few days later and see my family. So I got to make some money and see the family all in one shot, but uh, this is not the year. Not going to happen. 
It's tough as someone who makes his living traveling, performing in front of people, doing live entertainment. Between showbiz and the travel industry, everything I do is stopped. And the sooner I can go back to work and being a productive member of society is depending on people being safe and wearing masks and social distancing and having to make some sacrifices. And if we do that for a little while longer, we can, we can get back to our lives. Yes, it's tough for me to stay home, but it's tough for everyone. But if we all do our part, the better it'll be. And that's my message. The more you know. Anyway, back in the spring, I think it was around April or May, I reached out to Tess Rafferty and her husband, Chris, who live about 25 minutes away from me up in the valley. And longtime listeners of this show would recognize Tess. She's been on a couple times, and we always talk about her favorite place in the world, Italy, where she and her husband, Chris, have gone over a dozen times. And Tessa and I got to talking about her most recent trip to Italy, and she was asking me about my trip last year to Rwanda to see the gorillas. So we set up a socially distant meeting in the backyard where we showed some photos and drank some wine (laughs) in our masks around the pool. But at that point, it was just great to be out of the house, and it was lovely of them to invite me over. And last month, Tess reached out to me because she has written a book set in, you guessed it, Italy. It's a murder mystery with a little bit of humor in it, which makes sense because she and Chris are both TV writers with comedy backgrounds. And she asked me if she could come on the show and talk about it. So we talk about the book a little bit. And of course, we talk about Italy, more Italy, which is high on my list of places to go back to when all this crap is over. Because I, much like Tess and Chris, can't get enough of it. So let's lose ourselves in Tuscany, shall we? The book is called Under the Tuscan Gun. You can find it on Amazon. If you type in the title of the book or the name Tess Rafferty, you could probably find it somewhere. And I'll also have a link to it at TravelTalesPodcast.com. So please enjoy my conversation with Tess Rafferty. You feel like just when you feel like you're kind of comfortable enough to be like, well, maybe we can do this or do that. We go through another wave because everybody else is thinking they can do this or do yeah. that. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, but, you know, it's very, um, there, you know, this isn't like a new way of looking at it. I think it was Molly Jong Fast who wrote the article about how AA prepared her for the pandemic. And, um, and I certainly just know from my own experience, um, it's, it's really kind of like a moment to moment thing where it is very much like, you know, the only way you can kind of get through this with any sanity is not think too far in advance. Like maybe think about what you're doing later today, but don't really (laughs) think too much about tomorrow. (laughs) Did you guys at least, did you even take like a, even a driving, like a road trip or anything? No, you know, because it's. I'm, I'm kind of an all or nothing gal. Um, and, and for what I want to do, like, I know, you know, for Chris, for my husband, he would really like to just like get out and go to Joshua tree for a few days or something or, but I'm like, so, you know, or Palm Springs or whatever. And I'm like, so we're just going to drive, get in the car, drive somewhere and then stay in a house there and cook there. Like why, like what are we doing? Like, what? Well, I mean, th- there is like nature to see and, and to get out into. And sometimes a change of scenery is good for your mental. Uh, so you don't feel so much like a confined prisoner. 
Right. Well, I mean, I just hate <laughs> I just hate riding in the car. Too. Oh, well, that's a problem then, especially to Palm Springs. I think it's a terrible drive. Uh, is it, <laughs> and then the further and then once you pass Palm Springs, it's just meth country. And that's just depressing. <laughs> um, that's where I get all my meth. <laughs> hey, look, if, if, if you got an errand to run, it makes sense. <laughs> but so, I mean, like I said, it's just, you know, we're all unique people. And for my the itches I need to scratch you know, I'm like, look, I, we're lucky. We have a nice yard and you have a pool. We have a pool. Right. Right. Like, I mean, that was the thing this summer. He's like, let's go to Palm Springs. I'm like, so I can sit in someone else's pool. I have a pool. (laughs) I'm like that mom now, like you have coffee here. Why are you going out for coffee? (laughs) Right. Yeah. I pictured you riding it out like poolside all summer. It's like 110 in the Valley. (laughs) And you got like a a Bellini or possibly an Aperol spritz by the, by the pool under like a parasol. And then you oh. got, you know, you, maybe a caftan thing going on maybe later in the afternoon as the sun goes down. Am oh. I close? Am I warm? You're nailing it. I <laughs> put a mask on it, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Because whenever I'd have a, a, I would distance from people in the pool and we'd wear our masks. <laughs> <laughs> Did you at least have people by the pool, like go swimming? You know, I'm like, I wasn't like throwing pool parties, but, you know, it's, you kind of meet your... Um, COVID bubble. You had you, you, yeah, you have a, a circle. Yeah, you meet your you meet your match like it's like falling in love or something with your <laughs> friends. Um, because like you know you start off talking to friends who are like, hey, we should have a distanced gathering in the yard, and they're like, sounds great. And then they're like, yeah, like just as soon as you know I get back from getting my hair cut and meeting my friend at a bar and going to the family reunion, and then you're like, <laughs> okay, see you in 2021. <laughs> Right. You know, and then you meet someone who's like hasn't left the house in two weeks and is getting all their groceries delivered. And you're like, okay, well, you're going to be my person. (laughs) Um, You know, it's different for, you know, obviously, clearly it's different for everybody, which is why we're in this pickle. But right. um, Yeah. So I I had one friend in particular who um, would come over and we would just we'd have we each have our floats and distance with our masks (laughs) on. So did. did you start the book before quarantine or did you, it was this a whole quarantine project? No, no, this was, um, I wrote this a few years ago, um, which, you know, makes it kind of exist in this funny little bubble in time, right. Where, um, I don't have to address politics, which is kind of fun. And I, you know, um, and you don't um, care about politics, Tess. I know you, you haven't, (laughs) it's, um, it's, but it's it's interesting because it's kind of it's nice to have an outlet that can kind of exist like that. And um, and a lot of murder mystery series are sort of timeless. Right. Like, you know, you know, it's my goal to that. This wasn't just a one off that I'm going to, you know, write, in fact, a series featuring these characters solving murders in Italy. Um, and because um, they say, write what you know. And in a murder. lot of. Murder, you know, murder, uh, murder, <laughs> wine, Italy. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny, like there's there was one series by Donna Leone, who um, is an American author, but she li- she's lived in Venice now for years. And her um, she writes as, as a series about a detective in Venice. And it's been going on for like, I think, 25 or 30 years, you know, a new book every year. And when she started the whole series, they were still using Liras. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Um, those days. Right. And 
So she makes reference to the changing times, but not in a really particular, like it's almost like every four books, another year ticks over or something like, you know, um, the, the main characters, kids would be probably in their thirties or even forties by now, but instead they're like in their late teens, early twenties. So it is like when these mystery series kind of exist in a sort of timelessness, Um, And what's interesting as I'm like writing the next one is, you know, I can't address COVID. I can't address, I certainly can't address what post-COVID traveling is going to be. Um, And so I don't have, so there's no COVID in my book, which is kind of a lovely (laughs) escape. (laughs) I always think like that was one of the appeals of uh, Schitt's Creek at this point, you know, during quarantine and everything's so stressful and you know, the country's so divided. It was just an escape that it's completely harmless and yeah. good natured and there's no meaning to it. And it's just kind of fun and people just need that. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. 100%. Like Ted Lasso. Have you seen that? That's on Apple TV. I saw the first two episodes. It's, it's the same thing where I just, you know, nothing against it. I just like, was like, didn't really particularly look like my thing for whatever reason. And somebody's like, no, you really have to watch it. And we watched almost every episode in one night because we were like, <laughs> yeah, we were like, I just want to see something about like nice people <laughs> winning, yeah. you know, nice people winning. So under the Tuscan gun is like a great title. I mean, I, I can't believe it wasn't taken by something already. It's, yeah. Um, I guess apparently it, it's, it's not a book, but it has been like um, a title of like a cooking show or something, but. Um, with gun? Yeah. I, I, I maybe, I, yeah. Um, like, uh, um, so I knew your background in comedy, you know, in comedy writing. Is there comedy in the book or is it straight on like mystery? No, it's, it, it's very much, um, it's a, it's a funny mystery. Like the characters are funny. It's very self-aware. Um, you know, the, <laughs> the characters I I'm sometimes I'm the laziest writer where it's like, you know, I write what, you know, so it's like, okay, the main characters are TV writers. And so they're always, <laughs> they live you know, in the Valley. They, <laughs> they have a pool. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah their names are <laughs> Tess and Chris. Um, and um, they, so it's very, it's, it's that sort of like, you know, like the husband says to the wife, um, like, I'm not paying all this money. I didn't pay all this money for us to come on vacation so you could run around trying to solve a murder like you're in a Lifetime movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know? so I think there's a lot there's there's a lot of things like lines like that that get said. And, um, you know, a lot of like it probably is the husband. That's who it. that's what they always say on how to get away with murder. <laughs> yeah. It takes place in a very pop culture world and and the characters are very funny. Um, so it does take place in current day. This is not a period piece. No, no, it's not like Victorian era murder mysteries. See, for some reason, I thought you were going to go full on like La Dolce Vita, you know, like the fifties, that kind of thing. You know, that's when Italy was that glamorous kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's that's 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 well, look, I still might. I could write a whole nother series. It's we're going to have time this winter. You can always go backwards. No COVID issues there. Maybe the no, plague no. and the war. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, the war is a big thing, you know, the war. Yeah. But the but the post-war era is a fascinating period of time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just so um, amazingly um, 
I mean this in a metaphorical sense, like colorful, like almost like, you know, after you, after they left the war, right? Like after the, they left the war years behind them and the occupation and like suddenly it was movies and fashion and photography all in Rome. Yeah. And it was just like, like opening up the door, like when Dorothy lands in Oz and opens up the door um, in terms of like the money and the glamour and the suddenly the mobility between the classes. Um, and there was also a lot of scandals, a lot of people dropping dead and overdoses. And so did you um, work any like modern, I don't know, headlines into your story or uh, not, not, not. Not anything big. Like there was definitely, I worked in a few um, twists of the Italian legal system. There were some laws that changed in, in terms of inheritance. Um, oh, right. In, in the last like five or so years, five or 10 years, um, uh, I worked in a couple of those things. Um, and, you know, minor stories um, where you work in, um, like really, you know, just some details of like a car company being sued over falsifying their um, admissions reports, which is, um, you know, I think what happened to Volvo, I believe. But like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I make up a case. I, you know, I was a, a Volkswagen. Oh, yes. Right. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, and so but nothing, nothing newsworthy. And and even like I, I just sort of wrote a little one off novella with the same characters in time for the holidays. Um, and. Um, you know, same, same thing. I, I, I kind of was like, I allude to, you know, this is true story. Like I was just looking for something a little bit of an emotional, um, uh, touchstone sort of emotional, uh, motivation for this character in the beginning, um, of like why she's crying on Thanksgiving. And I started writing about, you know, she's, she talks very opaquely about like another woman, um, you know, was telling her story of sexual harassment and the world didn't believe her and, or sexual assault, the world didn't believe her. And she kind of like describes it very vaguely. And I toyed with the idea of like, do I need to specify an incident I'm talking about? Not that I don't have plenty to choose from, right? <laughs> like, not that I can't, I don't know, is it Kavanaugh? Yeah. Is it Weinstein? Every, what is it <laughs> well, every, room, every woman I know seems to have her own story. It, it's absolutely. And, and that's kind of what I came down to is that I don't have to specify that this is any one Thanksgiving in history where this has occurred because unfortunately it is a common occurrence, but it is also, like you said, a touchstone for people. And I'm, I don't want to say what year it is. And it's enough that that's in, in the zeitgeist. And, you know, it's also not what the book's about. Again, it's a sort of just a point where she checks in and realizes her motivation for some for doing something. Well, let's um, talk about Italy then. Yeah. It's, it is Italy. Did you is there any kind of not to uh, stereotype to our uh, friends in Italy, but is there a mob element to it? Is there a mafia element to the book? Um, no, no, there's not. And, um, and, you know, it's one of those things too, like you try to be sensitive with even, um, (laughs) even in the, even in the minor details, right. It was, um, it was always going to be like a one-off thing, um, in terms of like the, it wasn't like the murders connected to a mafia thing, but even in, when you write details about someone having gambling debts, I'm like, I just don't even want to use the word mafia. I don't want to say they owe money to the mafia or anything. And, um, you know, there's a reference to, which is a very real thing. Um, the, uh, football fixing that goes on, it's partly a worldwide conspiracy to fix football games, um, for betting and stuff, but it doesn't, uh, 
I tried to stay away from that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do. Um, my w- true story, when I stayed with friends there one year, the circus was in town and um, and they had this, there was this sort of accepted cultural idea or reality that you had to watch for thieves when the circus came to town. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I thought that was such a funny detail and it was such just a given like, oh no, we can't, you know, we don't want to leave the house unattended. The circus is in town. <laughs> and, um, I, I later had regrets feeling like I'm, that's probably unfair to circus folk, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was too funny of a detail to me not to put it in. So, right. And when and they the- steal your car, they steal your car. 50 people come out of the car <laughs> in big shoes. And yeah, that was easy. That and was easy. The people killed anybody. So <laughs> that we know of. Not not in this book. Yeah. OK. But the yeah. um, so what parts of Italy do you usually stay at? And does the book I mean, do you get into like are there details from your trips that you just know? It's like there's this one cafe I love in this town. And I'm going to work that into the book somehow. Oh, oh yeah. It's, um, <laughs> it's incredibly like, I try to make it as authentic as possible and, and really, you know, focus on one area specifically when I'm there. And so that, you know, this, the idea for this came around because I was, you might, my, my husband and I got invited. We were kind of planning a last minute trip, like our schedule freed up or something. It was a couple summers ago. And a friend of ours was like, Oh, well, you can just come stay with us. I'm staying at, you know, my friend's house. My friend's got a villa in Tuscany right by the beach. Oh, that's, that's a good, that's a good invitation. I need <laughs> friends like that. I need more friends like that. Um, and so, uh, and, and so I was like, well, I, well, you sure I've never met this woman. And, you know, she's like, oh yeah, it'll be fine. I'm like, should I pay her? No, it's fine. And the hilarious thing is, is that the woman, uh, the man and woman, actually, the woman who sort of kind of invited us and and her husband weren't even there the whole time we were there. We were like staying in this gorgeous villa. We were in the guest house. We had like our own beautiful suite with a balcony and and a bath, you know, bathroom and everything. And, you know, just on the Tuscan hillside and you could see above you, you could see the the hill town with like the crenellated wall around it. And then out there was just vineyards and then the ocean and um, and we never even met them. <laughs> and so, um, and you know, I have always had a thing for murder mysteries. I mean, I, I read them like they're, you know, pie the day after Thanksgiving. I just like <laughs> devour them. And we had, you know, we had posted a photo of the two of us, my husband and I on Facebook and this other friend of ours, um, had said, um, you two are one high society murder away from being Nick and Nora Charles. <laughs> which is, you know, the husband and wife from the Thin Man series. And so I was like, well, we're not one novel away from being them and I'm going to write it, you know, and it just so happened (laughs) I was unemployed. So I had plenty of time in my day. And I just, you know, this, this, this location was so glamorous because it's like, oh, how do you make Tuscany more perfect? Put the beach next to it. Right. Uh, you know, like really, and, and it's this little town called Cap Albio. And I just was like, I'm going to set it in Cap Albio and use all of these elements from, you know, the fact that the host and hostess aren't there and um, who is there. And it, and it was like, you know, you know, when you travel, you meet just this 
international cast of characters who are begging to be in an Agatha Christie movie. Well, that's what I was, the next question I was going to ask was, uh, well, first of all, was that, was that villain near Porto, Porto Ercole? Porto Ercole? Um, I, I, not too far, because uh, Porto Ercole is like just north of Rome, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's it's still in Lazio. Um, Capalbio is just over the line, in uh, over the Lazio-Tuscany border, so not okay. too far. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I stayed there once. It was amazing. Um, were there people you've met, like Italians, local people that you you meet and you just go, oh, this guy's in the book. This guy is totally in the book. Oh, ab- absolutely. Like, <laughs> you know, especially now that I did like I did one, you know, because we went back a couple of times since I first started toying with this and, and writing it so that you go like, oh, yeah, next book, you start making notes and <laughs> well, since you usually write for TV, why why a book and not like a script? Why not a film? You know, um, that's a good question. I think I think because I wrote it for me, and and there's so much more freedom that you get in a book, um, being able to you know, just tell your thoughts and and give it your own personality in the narrative. Because I write in the first person. Um, you know, I write, I write like I talk, I write like I do stand up or, you know, you and I've like done like essay shows or storytelling shows. And for me, it's the same thing. And so it, it's just a lot more fun in a lot of ways. Um, and then you can always sell the book and make it into a movie. That's true. true. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, um, yeah, it's just more fun. And, and also like, you know, I'm kind of discovering through all of this, especially in this new economy we're all going to be living in, um, you know, possibly, is that now I can write something and self-publish it. And there's no middleman. I don't have to wait years to get the right attachments and have people drop out and, you know, all that stuff. So are you selling it through uh, Amazon or through your own site or how, does it, how do people find it? People can find it on Amazon. It's in paperback and in um, and for ebook. Um, you can buy either. Um, the paperback has got a lovely cover. Um, just if you you can see the cover on your tablet or you're on your Kindle too. But I just think it's it's also just so gorgeous. Um, it's taken my my husband got a drone shot of the beach in Cap Albia one more like early, early one morning. And he just lined it up like the beach is on one side and the other side is all the umbrellas and the, um, you know, chairs on the stands, uh, sorry, on the sand. And then um, this, I got so lucky, this really, this, this good friend of mine, Tony Perrier, who um, actually wrote the screenplay for the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Eraser and is also an artist in his own right, um, designs graphic novels and, and, did the very famous campaign port campaign poster for Hillary Clinton in 2008. He basically took that photo and we kind of, and, you know, did the cover design based on that so that you get the beauty. It's the, you know, the beauty of the photograph, but there's just this like hint of ominousness, you know, like, like almost like the jaws poster gives you that like beach on the top murder (laughs) on the bottom. So so if anybody who like, is trying to write a book like you are and, and thinking of self-publishing it. What's one advice, one piece of advice you can give them that you've learned through all this? Um, don't censor yourself and just start writing because I just like, you know, this is the way 
I have, I turn it around is like, I, you know, I get that way in and I start writing and sometimes, you know, I write details that, you know, become things. I, they become happy little accidents and, and they, and sometimes they don't and you go back and edit and you change things around. But, you know, when I get stuck, it's, um, it's very easy when you get stuck or you don't know what to do next to kind of be like, um, you know, be that, that stereotypical idea of the guy sitting there looking at a wall with a tennis ball or something, <laughs> but like literally type that conversation out with yourself. Like I will go like, okay, something needs to happen here. And I like put a pin in it. And then I keep going with what I know is coming next. And I know I can go back and find it later. Or sometimes I go, okay, well, what is the motivation? Could it be? And I just type the whole thing out because it keeps you present. Could it be this? Could it be that? Maybe it's that. I like where that's going. And you know, and I just keep going with it, but I'm always typing because I think it just, it's good training, right? Like as long as you're typing, you're putting something down and more often than not, it's something that you can work with. But if you're just sitting there thinking you have to have everything plotted out or, you know, you got to figure out what, you know, what that thing you're stuck on is, you're never going to finish anything or maybe even start. Yeah. I mean, they say that even if you're writing anything, whether it's like a book or a script or um, whatever, uh, you're going to rewrite it anyway. I mean, did you give drafts to other people? I mean, do you take any kind of self-publishing? There's no one there sometimes. I, oh. know, it's, I know it's a drag getting notes from networks and, and people, and but sometimes the notes work and sometimes you're not seeing something that people read and go, yeah, ugh, that didn't get me. No, absolutely. And if you think it's hard to get someone to read your screenplay, imagine handing them a 75,000 word novel. <laughs> um, no, without a doubt, it had gone through a couple of drafts with my agent. Um, and, and then I'd put it down for a couple of years and then sort of returned to it when I was finally like, okay, I want to, you know, um, I, I mean, to be honest, I wasn't having a lot of luck trying to get it published because people didn't know what to do with a funny mystery. People were like, oh, we don't know what shelf it belongs on. Shelves. Uh, there. <laughs> what, what era was this? Shelves, bookstores. Shelves. I know. Well, I guess retail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The metaphorical shelf. So um, I did have someone reread the, you know, I had a couple of people reread read it in the very beginning and kind of give me thoughts. And, and then this latest version I did. And, and you know, your proofreader which, you know, that's, you're going to have to pay for a proofreader. It's worth every damn dollar. But, but also it was really funny because they're able to catch things, you know, maybe a tiny flaw in logic or time of day change that maybe other people wouldn't necessarily notice. And, um, and my favorite thing with my proofreader was she goes, I just want to point out that when they get there, they have wild boar for dinner and then they have it for lunch the next day. She's like, I think it sounds great. I'm hungry just reading it, but I want to make sure you're okay with that. Oh, did you see like wild boar? See, that's a specific thing. I mean, it, it's easy to put it just your general kind of, you know, pasta or something in this, but it's like, you got to get specific with like, there's things that if you haven't been there, you don't know, you wouldn't think of Italians eating wild boar on a Sunday, but <laughs> sure. Why not? They do, you know? It, it, I was like, well, I would have eaten wild, wild boar twice in one, like tw two yeah. days in a row. That's sort of the specialty. Um, <laughs> and, and it's funny. And, and what 
what I what I love about the book and what I'm getting good feedback about um, is it is it does describe Italy. It is a little bit of a travel log. This person's on vacation, so you know they're both like dealing with a murderer on the loose and also going wine tasting and, and <laughs> talking about the food and the history. Um, so it's, it's got like, it's got travel porn in it and escapism. And, um, it's very funny because the funny thing is, is I don't take this as a negative review. And it wasn't like, it was like a three-star review. Someone who I I don't know said there was too much emphasis on food in the book. (laughs) I was going to ask you about that. (laughs) And I was like, you've just like, you've sold this book to 10 other foodies. (laughs) Um, is, did you stay in Tuscany or did you go all around Italy? We, you know, um, in, in the book, we, we stay in Tuscany. You know, we, I, I talk a little bit about, you know, landing in Rome. We stay in Tuscany the whole time, specifically in this town with a brief little jaunt to the Argentario. Um, so it's a, it's a real, Argentario, I think is the peninsula where Ercole, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, yes, yes. I'm so sorry. Porto, Porto Ercole. I was thinking, um, yes, I was thinking of um, another place, like another one of those little beachside places that's closer to Rome on the drive up the coast to Tuscany. But yes, you're absolutely right. That's where Porto Ercole is. It's There's a very famous uh, restaurant there yeah. um, that I um, never went to. And I pretend it's called someplace else in my book. <laughs> there's another one of those, um, one of those Porto, one, there's uh, Santo Peninsula? Stefano. Yeah. Santo, Stefa, Santo Stefano. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, I, th- I think that's. Oh, those Santo are the, those, 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 I think it's Santo Stefano. They're, they're, it's the, those are like the two main towns in the Argentario Peninsula, I believe. I, I'm getting them mixed up with those beach towns. Like when you leave, first leave Rome and start up that coast, um, yeah. there's a couple of, it's Santo Severus or something. They're, they're all in, they're right, they're closer to Rome. That's what I was getting. Yeah. We took day trips to like Orvieto and um, Siena mm-hmm. and I think maybe Grosseto or something. Yeah. It's another yeah, one. And being Grosseto, Siena, it goes Siena and then you go through Grosseto on your way to Argentario and Cap Albio. Yeah. God, I miss that place. I know it was 20 years ago, but I still can't forget it. It's, it's magical. And, 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 you know, it's, um, in fact, like we're, we're going to show photographs. I'm going to do a virtual book signing the week after Thanksgiving, December 3rd. And then that's part of what we're going to do is we're going to share some photographs of the area that uh, Chris has taken over the years there. And, and, you know, the Argentario is just, it's amazing. You feel like you're on the end of the earth. How many times have you counted? How many times you've been to Italy? 12, I think 12 or 13. Yeah. And were you, I know you were working on your Italian last time we talked. Yeah. Have, have you kept up your lessons? You know, I, I, I try. Um, and it's like everything in quarantine where you, you're, you're slowly getting very fuzzy. Um, and you're like, I don't know if this is stress. I don't know if this is the amount I'm drinking on quarantine <laughs> or, you know, just like the lack of stimulation or whatever. But I've, I, there's a couple of friends that I will Skype with just to try to talk to because, um, you know, just to stay, I, I mean, I've had all the grammar for years. It's mostly just staying in practice with the vocabulary, the pronunciation, and then my listening comprehension is my least 
um, my least strong skill. It's, you know, I, I can tell you, so I can say something to you that, you know, sounds like I can understand so much more than I can. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys at one point consider buying property there or are you still considering it? Well, you have to define consider. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's dreaming and then there's actually thinking, you know what? I think we can do this. I'm sure you looked at that villa that you stayed at and going, I'd like to buy this. But, you know, in reality, yeah. I mean. And they sold you know. it too a few years ago. So, uh, yeah, that was like, I was playing the, there was a few weeks there where I was playing the Powerball, like maybe this is it. Well, even not bother buying property. Now a lot of people are looking into citizenship yeah. in places. Have you guys looked into that? I have because my, my great grandparents were born in Italy. Um, unfortunately they, there's like a lot of, um, very Byzantine laws around who can, when it's not your grandparents, when you're going back to your great grandparents. Yeah. You're reaching there. Yeah. It's a little bit trickier. And what's interesting is it's particularly tricky. You can only go through your mail line, um, up until 1947, which isn't to say that after 1947, the rules changed necessarily, although that is when the rules changed, but it also means that like, because my mom was born in 46, I can't go through my maternal line. Like it's like very complicated, right. um, <laughs> you know, very Italian. And it's like, you know, I can only go if my, my grandfather's father was, you know, had, I can only get the citizenship if he had renounced at a certain time and he renounced before that time. So I'm screwed. Right. I mean, if they allow to go back that far, I mean, everybody, Every Italian American in America, all their family, it was like the Jews. They all came in around the turn of the century. So if you can go back to the 20s or or the 1910, yeah, we could all get dual citizenship somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, and 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 and, try, and if I could, I would. I mean, I I would. And and believe me, like on you know the day after the election, um, I was. You know, I, I, I went to bed going, we're not going to know anything. So I'm going to probably, I'm going to get a good night's sleep knowing that, you know, there's no news until there's news. And, and so I was, I was in a pretty good state of mind and I woke up and, and my friend actually in Italy was texting me because she's waking up to all this, like Trump is ahead and whatever. So I panicked and I, and I had a moment before I went back to sleep where I was like, um, Okay, well, I'm just gonna, you know what? I'll I'll just sell I'll just sell my house now and I'll move it. I I guess I guess I'm not doing another four years again. This I guess that's what I'll do. Um and and as if on cue somebody call like, you know, they cold call you now, like realtors, like, hey, you wanna sell? And I almost texted back, call me if Trump wins. <laughs> uh so someday I, I think I'm getting closer to that, like. Let's just retire there. I, you know. Yeah, it's a um, great. Yeah, I mean, this countries are great for retiring. If you, it's if you want to work, is when it gets um, complicated with work visas and things like that. If you're making money there, then it gets a little complicated. But if you're just going to retire and spend money, they're like, yeah. All of a sudden, they're a little more <laughs> lenient. <laughs> sure, George Clooney, come here and uh, spend money. Yeah, well, that's why I want to become a mystery author because then I can make money anywhere. And that's the other thing, you know, people, if, if this is taught anything to a lot of people, it's like, yeah, a lot of people can work remotely. So, you know, I've been inter interviewing digital nomads for years now, and uh, now I think that's going to get even more and more common. And some countries are embracing it and like, yeah, come here, you can get it like a, 
a digital work visa or, or something you know, for a year or, or more. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, look into it. But Italy just happens to be a really particularly popular place. It's anywhere in the EU now, especially since Brexit. You know, a lot of people would have gone to the UK before. And now yeah. since Brexit, they'd rather have the EU passport. So I know there's been a big uptick in the last year or so about people looking into everywhere in Europe, Spain, Italy, Portugal is really popular. Cyprus was given a deal to a lot of people. Yeah. All these people buying passports for dual citizenship. And now that we can't travel, uh, it's a real popular thing. So. Yeah. Portugal is supposed to be a great place to relocate to. Yeah. I love it. I mean, you would love it too. It's very, you know, there in Spain. And so it's very similar to Italy. And it's, um, but I think it's also a friendly place to relocate to right now. Like from what I, or easier, I should say, maybe than some other destinations. The process seems to be easier there. Yeah. Um, problem with you get with a lot of Italy and, and a lot of countries, you get mired in uh, paperwork and bureaucracy, which <laughs> Italian <laughs> governmental bureaucracy is uh, infamous, as you, oh. as you well know. Yes, as um, as we've all heard stories of, uh, <laughs> yeah, the person who, it, there was one I heard of a person who got zoning clearance to build a pool because they called it a bird bath. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been in Italy and any kind of run-ins with the government, uh, police or officials? I think the closest I've ever gotten um, was when <laughs> we we got into the wrong train compartment and um, we had uh, we had second class tickets because we I, we were going from like one small town to Florence. It was like a twenty five minute ride, and we assumed we were in the second class cabin, but it was actually the first class cabin, <laughs> which I think shows you like just what kind of a local train we were taking. <laughs> um, and uh, and so we were almost there, and the guy finally comes around to stamping our tickets, and, and I had a very um, still did conversation with him in Italian where I was like, sorry, we didn't know. What are you going to do? And he was trying to get 40 euros out of us. And, you know, um, I was like, we don't have 40 euros cause I, I didn't have any cash on me or something. And I know, I think we might've ended up settling on five or whatever. I don't, you know, I don't know what it had. I had, it's just like, we thought this was, we thought this was second class. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think he realized, yeah. Did you go in the second class after that? And what did that look like? We must have on the way back. Um, I know that's a really good question. I I mean, we were literally, I think that was part of the reason he backed down too, was that we were so close to the, we were actually so close to Florence that it was like, he was probably like, "Mm," you know, whatever. So you never had any, any theft or any kind of like pickpocketing any circus clowns when the circus in town attacking you or anything? Uh, no, you know, I've had, like, I should knock on something. I've had really good luck all around. I, I I got some stuff stolen out of my hotel room once in Paris, but that was like 20 years ago. So I've had pretty good, but I'm also like, so OCD. Like I, I checked my passport 17 times just sitting in the airport bar (laughs) <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I, you know, I got to make sure I've got all my things on me at all times. So did I'm, you ever forget anything like super important, like got to the airport and you didn't have your ID or something? <laughs> um, no, no, I, I, so I have this passport cover 
um, that has a picture of a cat on it and it looks like my cat, except this, the cat on the passport's got a crown. <laughs> anyway, it, it's just one of those things that I really love. I find charming. I got it for $8 at a craft fair once. And um, and so I'm going back, I'm flying back from Rome to America through Paris and I go through customs or immigration rather in Paris and we get settled in the lounge and I'm unpacking my stuff or whatever. And I realized that the the front cover of my passport had fallen off. Um, and, you know, and it had been on when I went through, through um, immigration and that it must've fallen off in immigration. And, and in that moment, I can't explain it other than to say, I mean, you travel so much, you're probably over this, but there's always that like weird, you're, I think you're really emotional when you travel, like, <laughs> you know, it's either the trip is ending or it's starting. And there's that like, you know, kind of fear of like the whole, like, you know, being up in the air for 13 hours up to it. And I was like, I, I was like, I, I, I need the, I need, I need the front of this passport case. <laughs> and, and so like a lunatic, I, you know, run out of the terminal and I'm literally just headed back down the thing towards immigration. I'm lucky I didn't get shot. Like that's where people like are coming through, you know, it's like where the guys are behind bulletproof glass and I'm just like running towards the, the plexiglass booth where the guys are sitting and there's nobody there, like all like the planes coming through, they you know, processed all the people. It was a lull. And the guy looks at me and I hold up the back of my passport at him. And he looks at it for a minute and then he smiles and he holds up the front. <laughs> and we just had this moment of like we were both so happy that like <laughs> that I was getting the front of my my passport case back and he was the one to give it to me. And and it was just a cat. It was so dumb. Um, but it was just like. <laughs> That's, I think, the closest I've come to like finding something missing and being like, oh my God. I did leave a pair of underwear once in a hotel in Venice. I should have probably led with that story. Well, well, I mean, that's that's like a tip for the for a Venetian. You know, that's like nice. Here you go. Yeah, a little probably, something for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How, You're so right. <laughs> um so when do you think, if you got to predict, and we're all making predictions, when do you think you can get back and when would have you even tried to make a plan or even dared dream about it? I dreamed about it a lot at the beginning of this. Um, and, and I really thought like, you know, a friend of mine and we even like drew up like a pitch deck for a, a reality show. Like let's go to Italy this summer and let's show the country rebuilding and let's like show what it's like to travel during this on an airplane and, um, and then obviously Europe stopped letting us in. Um, and you know, there was a while this summer when we were like, maybe this fall and then, you know, everything, you know, this, this virus is so volatile and not only is it volatile, but we're just not doing the things we need to do on a widespread basis. How long, you know, can a place like Italy that, you know, tourism, I don't know if it's number one of their economy, but it's, it may be. How long can they can they go through another summer and another year of shutting it all down? I mean, their economy was never really raging <laughs> that, that much to begin with. So, no. I mean, you know, how how high can their unemployment get? How high can you keep keeping people locked down and paying, you know, stimulus and benefits? And I don't know. It's I hate to think money is going to be the deciding factor in all this, but maybe it is. Well, you know, and what's interesting is that even when money is the deciding factor that has ramifications, right? Like they're, they're talking about, there's an enthusiasm, 
it's an enthusiasm gap, do they call it? A desire gap, I think, where um, we've all gone so long without some of this stuff that the motivation to do it isn't there, or perhaps we just don't feel comfortable doing it yet. Like they can open up a movie theater, but yeah. you know, if you're the person who's like, eh, I'm used to watching Netflix now, or if you're just a person who's like, yeah, I don't really want to go watch a movie and eat popcorn with a mask on, then you're not going to go. And, you know, so then, or, you know, you have places where they're just opening everything up and people are going. And then, you know, a month and two later, they're just spiking and everyone's getting sick and that's got its own cost and repercussions. Yeah. So we got no shot. And, and, you know, the flip side, like, you know, like for, for, for just the health of its citizens, you know, New Zealand was the same way, you know, Australia and New Zealand, that's great. You don't have anybody, no one's contracting this. No one else is going to die of this or have life, lifelong health concerns, but that means you can't open it back up. Like, you know, you can't let anyone else in because the minute you do that, people are going to bring it there. Um, especially, you know, the people who like the rest, you know, the rest of the world, like if, you know, the people in the rest of the world who are like us, where there's, you know, varying degrees of people believing in this and, you know, no uniform plan for how to deal with it. Um, you know, and, and even in places like Italy, right, where they locked down, got it under control, and then, you know, people were wearing masks, people seemed to be doing the right things, and eventually it just came back anyway. Yeah. So. No, I, I, it's just going to be one of those times in life, you know, generations before us had to deal with stuff like this all the time, and it's gone uh, throughout history, and uh, now this is ours. So we were lucky to avoid it this far. It sucks, but we'll, people have survived worse. It sucks. And um, there's so many like, you know, cool things that we're substituting with, um, you know, museums are doing lectures online or showing you, you know, you can kind of do virtual tours of the galleries and things. And I, you know, I like to think of it as just keeps, you know, priming the pump for when we can go back. Like <laughs> when you do go back, what's the first thing you eat? Oh, um, the, the pasta allegricia at Roscioli. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that? Uh, Roscioli in Rome is um, it, it's it's in Campo de Fiori, and it, and it's kind of funny because it's uh, we our first trip together as a couple was in 2008, so it's like 12 or 13 years ago, and we stayed around the corner from Roscioli. And the thing we noticed, it just seemed like a little kind of like deli wine bar, like a little anoteca to us, um, because we were going in and sitting at the bar. And it was kind of late at night. It became like our last stop before going back to our hotel. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of places. There's more now, but at the time you really couldn't get, find a lot of places that would sell you just a glass of wine. It was like you had to get the bottle. And so this was, they had great wine and it was, you get it by the glass. So that kind of became our little thing. And then I don't know the time after that or two times after that, we stopped by. We're like, oh, we learned to sit at the bar. Like, you can't sit at the bar. You need a reservation for a bar. Like, we couldn't get near this place for years, like a couple of years. We would just go, oh, let's go by Roscioli. They wouldn't let you in. You needed a reservation. It was like so in demand. And or like we would drop by and it was like the one day a week they were closed. And we <laughs> kind of like it was just we did not know because we just knew it as this place that we went in late at night for a drink. We didn't realize like, no, it was this fantastic restaurant that you needed to call like three weeks in advance at some point to get a reservation for. So um, the last trip we went, we were like, we're going to eat at Roscioli and we're not going to drop the ball like we always do and forget to get a reservation or whatever. And it was, a, we had lunch for three and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, it was unbelievable. And it was like the, the Grisha is like, um, a matrashana without the tomatoes. It's, it's got the guanciale and, and the, and the um, onion in it and it's cooked in pasta and their guanciale is just perfectly cooked. It's crispy on the outside, but you bite into it and it's soft and just juicy on the inside. Um, it was, it, we liked it so much that we got a reservation for 1130 at night, the night before we were leaving town on the back end of our trip. We had a 6 a.m. Our car was coming at six and we had a dinner reservation at 1130. <laughs> we were did like, it, I don't care. Did yeah. it make the book? You know what? Um, in the next book, I, I debate whether or not I should just call it by name, but I always debate about that. Like I the meal in the, you know, the the essence of it made it into the next one. But I'm I'm still debating. I feel like I don't know. I should just call it Roscioli because that's you know. Yeah, and maybe maybe they'll throw you you know a little you know freebie after a while. You you know for yeah. the free plug, you get something out of them. Maybe an appetizer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe I won't have to eat at eleven thirty. Yeah, <laughs> you got a reservation. Did yeah. uh, did I did you write a cookbook or were you? Talking about I making a memoir with recipes called Recipes for Disaster. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, that came out uh, in 2012. And so it was a, it was a memoir. It was like each chapter was a different dinner party I threw and what had gone wrong um, and who had cried, which was always me. And <laughs> then they had recipes. And then I have, um, I have a blog on Substack called Recipes for Resistance um, that I started during the, uh, Kavanaugh hearings because I just had to do something with myself to not just be consumed with rage. And so I started like making bread one weekend and just writing about, you know, what emotions I was cooking through that. week. (laughs) (laughs) What makes, what makes for a good resistance meal? What do you need for the resistance? Carbs, carbs, Because why not? I mean, you know, you're going to need some energy, some quick energy for the for the revolution. <laughs> it really yeah. is like smoke them if you got them, like eat it if you got it. Um, yeah. Has, has working on the book kind of helped you like avoid getting bummed out? 150%. Like it's, I, I know that's not a real thing. Um, it seems high. Seems like a high percentage. That's, but that's how much I'm really like, <laughs> I, I try to explain to people, it's like, I, I love to write. So for me, and it, and it's a sense of not only do I enjoy the process and, you know, get tickled at my own, you know, wit, but like, it's, it's a feeling of accomplishment to have something that you can point to every day. And, and one of the few things, right. Because so many of the things we normally did have been taken away from us. So Um, for me, it's, um, you know, like it, it it has like, there's been a lot of things, even in the last couple of weeks where people are like, did you see this? Did you do that? I'm like, no, because I've been writing and it's actually put me in a better space. And, and it's not that I don't worry. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I, both the people in this household work in television and everything's shutting down or people are getting sick or they're not coming back. You know, it's, I don't know what's going to, I don't know what this disease is going to do to my industry. Um, I, you know, I don't know what it's going to do to the, to the economy of our country or our city, um, both of which I kind of need to be healthy. Um, you know, I, I, that will keep me up, but it's like, if I can just turn off the internet and start typing, it's, it's the greatest, it's the only thing that 
that works for me. A book is a great thing, especially something that'll put you in another place, <laughs> certainly another country. It, it's all, it's nice. It's, it's really, it's really nice. And it's, you know, it's, it's not ignorance to, it's not ignorance to go. I don't need to be reported on every, I don't need to know every insane tweet that Donald you don't. Trump sent. It, you, you, you don't need to be weighed down in the minutia of it to not understand what's happening in this country and, and not be an informed per to be an informed person. And it really is like, I, you know, I, I just, you know, I just did this like holiday novella, you know, the next book in the series. And it was like, just, it was like, Oh, it was like escaping. You do feel a little like you've had a little vacation at the end of every day and, and, and escaping to the holidays too, which like at a time of the holidays when we could celebrate them together, for, <laughs> you know? So it's very, um, it's, it's a very, it's a nice escape. I, I would urge anyone like, what else are you going to do? It's going to be a long winter. It's going to be dark at three and you're not going to see anybody. Oh, that's the bummer. It's like now it's already dark and it's just after five and I'm just like, oh, it's bumming me out. That was a hard one. The time change didn't help things. The time change was tough. No, the time change, it's, I, I, it bums me out every year. Like I I've got a sad <laughs> lamp that I'm now using. A sad lamp. Yeah, I do. The great thing is, is that they also dumble as great lighting for Zooms. So yeah, you look pretty good. It Thanks. looks good. Um, all right. Well, tell people again where they can find it. And if there's a link or something. It's Under find. the Tuscan Gun by Tess Rafferty on, um, on, you can find it on Amazon. Just Google, you can Google Tess Rafferty. You can Google Under the Tuscan Gun. Um, you know, put them in your search engines on Amazon and it's on paperback and for ebook. And it makes a really great holiday gift. Just saying for the stocking travel. stuffers. For There's great- um, yeah. And we'll have links. I'll put links on it on our site as well that thank people you can so find much. you. Sure. But I'm glad you could do this and thank you for uh, not going nuts over the last few months or whatever. You're still there. <laughs> You're still alive. You're still positive. Are you positive? Is it helping anything getting better? Yeah, you know. Okay, good. I, I think. Um, well, I mean, I, I I don't know what the answer to that. Like again, I think if you just go like, it, it's very easy to get mired. I, like I can go there as much as anybody, and I, and there's sometimes I have really bad days. You yeah, know, but you're doing what people have always done throughout time. Is is uh, that's what art does? You know, art is a release from all that. You know, art is can be anything you want, and it's a. It's the best distraction, really. Hasn't it, it always been, really? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I think so. And I think it's, I, you know, also very much like I was doing, you know, I probably made about 2,000 phone calls between, you know, the beginning of September and Election Day. And it's like, you know, get into things, right? It doesn't, you don't have to do what I do, but there's plenty of things to do and to feel like you're making a difference and to feel like, you know, at least you're trying to change, you're you're proactively working towards like, you know, like, well, I don't know if the business is coming back or how it's going to come back and there'll be a place for me in it. So I'm writing, you know, I'm writing books and I'm making calls so that hopefully this bozo won't get reelected. And, you know, um, so keep moving forward. Yes. What we can't do is just stay still and just absorb things and not be active. Yeah, it just it's not going to help. Right. And and there are definitely like I like zone out like there, are, you know, I'll watch. Chris and I are in this free fall of like, which is kind of fun. Like 
we're sleeping to 9.30 in the morning. We're up till two watching movies and drinking wine. And it's like, because there's like no rules, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and it's, it's a lot of levels it's working, so I'm fine. And it's, so there are plenty of times where I'm just like, oh, I'm just, I'm literally going to watch four hours of movies right now and not think about things. It's not like I'm, you know, a superhero, but you no. know, we all, we all have different ways to cope and yeah. whatever works for people, as long as you're not damaging your, well, you're damaging your liver a little bit, but that's okay. We all are. Yeah. It's, yeah, um, it's good wine. You know, it's good for you. Yeah. I was going to, I wasn't going to get through this unscathed. (laughs) (laughs) You and me both. Yeah. But, but like, again, it's, it's finding what's a good coping mechanism for you. Chris gets in the car every day and drives, you know, just to feel like he's, you know, in addition to like walking or whatever. So everybody's, you know, different. I've got a friend who I think is going to the grocery store every day just because it feels like social. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, time to write another book. It is. It is. You know, I mean, um, you know, I think we're going to be laying, you know, given the, all the recent news, I think we're definitely going to be laying low probably through the holidays just, you yeah. know, just because, but um, you know, we're looking into doing things like getting heaters for the outside. Um, so we'll have to have you up again and just do another, another outdoor hang, but that'd be great. Like, yeah. We'd love to see you. We've just, we've, you know, we've just been very like, even when I see people, I'm like, I'm not booking people back. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm not going to like see someone today and then see you tomorrow because I feel like as careful as I'm being, it's kind of unfair to you. You know, we've been trying to space everything out just being like, I want to get I just, it. Yeah. Like, I don't want to, you know, every, and now everybody's, it feels like right now everybody's going to coming out with their confessionals. Um, of, I thought I was being so close. It was like, it's like a penthouse letter, but with disease, right? <laughs> I never thought this would happen to me. It's totally that. And there's so many. It's what gives me pause about seeing people and even like seeing people back to back who, because I feel like every time you see someone, they always like, they always tell you how careful they're being right before they tell you how careful they're not being, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Right, right. And I'm like, okay, well, this was dumb of me. And I don't want to then see someone the next day or, you know, whatever, and possibly be bringing my own stupidity. (laughs) The last thing I had with someone was like, we've been so careful. I don't know how we could be more careful. And then talks about getting coffee that morning. Um, We went (laughs) trick-or-treating. Just like all sorts of shit. And you're like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> I don't like waking up in the middle of the night with a tickle in my throat wondering, you know, what if, if this is it or not. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you. I really this is fantastic. And let me know. I can get you whatever you need links or, you know, pictures. Yeah, send, send some links and a few photos. And uh, yeah, send me a copy. Send me an e-copy. Perfect. Um, all right. Well, I'll, I'll send you a Kindle version then. I'll, I'll, um, yeah. You okay. Can read, you can read it on your, uh, you can read it on one of your devices. Anyone right. you want. Yeah. I'll do the Hollywood thing, even though I didn't read it. Uh, I'll just, Hey, I loved your book. Uh, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> I know. I've I actually said that to people. <laughs>